Welcome to the St. Andrew's Sunday Morning Sermon Podcast. You can connect with us online at www.gosaintandrew.com. Thank you, choir. As Rev. Jerry has mentioned um, in the past few weeks, the book of John is very different from the synoptic gospels that use much of the same source material. We see sweeping gestures of Jesus by John. In the first chapter, Jesus is named the Word made flesh. Right out of the gate, we're told that Jesus is God on earth. Jesus is baptized and we hear from God. And then he walks through the town and he collects folks who become his disciples. In the second chapter, Jesus goes to a wedding reception and he performs his first miracle, turning six jars of hand-washing water into incredible wine. From there, Jesus goes over to the temple at Passover and he shows his his passion and his anger for the corrupt exchange of money. In just two chapters, we see Jesus' magnificence and his relatability. Let's listen to what happens next in chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. And Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, No one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after they've grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I've said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that whoever believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. May God add a blessing to the reading of this word. So as you may have noticed, since we began uh, worshiping in person again, um, every sermon series we're taking a different song and using that as a bridge from the scripture reading to the sermon. And we keep the same song for the entire length of the sermon series. And this week um, we are starting a new sermon series and we're starting to sing a new song together that reflects the theme of the sermon in in which uh, everyone is included, everyone has a seat at the table. So we're going to learn this song this week and sing this for the next several weeks together. And the chorus goes like this. I 
want a house with a crowded table and a place by the fire for everyone let us take on the world while we still are able and bring us back together when the day is done and you can hold my hand when you need to let go i can be a mountain when you're feeling badly low i can be a street light showing you the way home if you can hold my hand when you need to let go let's sing together i want a house i want a house with a crowded table and a place by the fire for everyone let us take on the world while we still are able and bring us back together when the day is done. Every weekend, I welcome all of you to worship with these now familiar words. I say St. Andrew is an open, affirming congregation that welcomes saints and sinners, believers and skeptics, the lost and the found, the wanderers and the wanderers, families of all shapes and sizes, and people from every point along the spiritual journey. No matter who you are, no matter what you believe, or even if you believe at all, you're welcome here. I've spoken these words in some form and variation over the last several years so often that I start to worry that I'm sounding like a broken record. But every week, people from all over the country invariably who follow us online or those that are worshiping with us in person will tell me every single week, someone will say, I've never heard those words spoken inside of a church building until I came to St. Andrew or I visited online. Well, it turns out that a lot of people have an entirely different experience of Christianity, one that has resulted in deep spiritual trauma caused by churches or Christians that practice or preach a gospel of exclusion or judgment or doctrinal conformity. Most of those churches will say at the outset that they welcome all people and they love all people, but it eventually happens from what I hear. At some point, the church troll tells you that you can't ask certain questions or think a certain way or believe a certain way or love a certain way. There's a better version of Christianity, and it's one that we here at St. Andrew aspire to. We're not perfect at it. We are a work in progress, but we are committed to it. So we're launching a new sermon series today called Everybody In to remind you that you really can be yourself in this space. You can believe at your own pace. You can ask the hard questions. You can express your doubts and uncertainties without the pressure of having to think or believe a certain way. And this is not because we don't believe anything. 
It's not because we believe anything and everything. It's simply because we trust in the slow, often hidden work of God to transform our hearts and minds as we seek after God. And that transformative work happens in community wherever two or more are gathered in the name of Jesus. And St. Andrew is this unique expression of Christianity where we can claim this work happens every day because we make space for it to happen every day. Everybody's in. Everybody. Even you. Even me. And what about you, by the way? Is there something about you, um, something you're dealing with, a struggle, a hang-up that you can't quite get around, some question or doubt or your own spiritual trauma from the past? Is there something about you that makes you wonder, look, if I, if I drag this thing out into the light, are they still going to let me in? Can I confess to you that I have felt that way for most of my life? as a Christian. I have felt that way my entire ministry as a pastor. Why? Because I have this personality that tends to ask a lot of questions, especially when it comes to faith. I'm always probing and questioning and inquiring, and I, every space I'm in when it comes to faith, I, I carry with me this little theological BS detector because I want to make sure that we're not just buying the company line, but that we're truly following Christ. That we are truly digging deep into our, into our hearts and questions and, and doubts. And I know I'm not alone in this. Do you ever stop asking questions? Every one of us is born with this... Um, desire to want to know why things are the way they are, wanting to know how things work and why they work that way, wanting to know the meaning of things, the meaning of life, the reason for life, the cause of life. And we're born full of questions, this insatiable curiosity and eagerness to discover. We're also instilled over time with this assumption that the older we get, the more answers we'll gather up and the more it'll all make sense someday. And so we go through our lives, we pile over old answers, new answers, and more new answers. We slowly build this puzzle so it makes sense. And we assume that at some point we'll have all the pieces there, and so we can stop searching and questioning. Someday we'll have all the answers so that we never have to ask anymore again. We can rest from our seeking. But have you noticed that the older we get, the more it works the opposite way? How does Bono of you 2 put it? The more you see, the less you know, the less you find out as you go. I knew much more then than I do now. Does that resonate with you? We come to those places where we thought were true, what we thought was truth. Sometimes Honestly, it doesn't always stack up and hold water. And that's where many of us get stuck. We'll say, I thought God was all-powerful, so why did God let this thing happen to me? I thought God was all-loving, and so why did God allow me to suffer? I thought God had a plan for my life, so how did I end up here instead of over there? 
And this is where, for many people, our faith begins to shrivel on the vine. Um, when we discover that what we once believed no longer rings true or no longer makes sense, but instead of continuing the search and the pursuit of God, we just quit the chase altogether. He told me one day that faith was like training wheels. He would drop his wife and kids off at the church every single Sunday on his way to playing 18 rounds of golf at the local course. One day I caught him. I just asked him why. Why don't you come inside? He said, look, faith is like training wheels. It helps you for a while. But eventually, yeah, I'll grow it. I told him I saw it differently. I said, I don't think faith is a training wheels. I think faith is the bike. And that bike is what we use to navigate our way through a really complex world that rarely makes sense, that's full of crisis and uncertainty. And this, 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 this bike gives us the, the foundation by which we can make and glean meaning from the world. And I just asked him, have you ever thought that maybe your bike is just too small? He was like so many others who eventually stopped searching and questioning and seeking. He, he forgot at some point to, to test his assumptions. The older we get, the less pliable and malleable we are, tend, uh, are apt to become. It's not because we we, we, we don't want to know anymore. It's that we think we know it all already. 33% of high school graduates never read a single book after graduation. 42% of college graduates never crack open another book after graduation. Why? Because there's nothing left to learn, right? Unless you know that truth, that the more you see the less you really do know and you decide to keep searching. And this is why I love the character in our story today. His name is Nicodemus. Uh, Nicodemus is middle-aged, but he's not too old to stop seeking. He's well accomplished, but he's, he's not too self-satisfied to, to, to continue to seek. And he, he's a man of great faith, but he's not too certain in his faith to stop probing the mysteries of life and, and God. Under the cover of darkness, he, he comes to Jesus, who everyone is talking about because Jesus has just turned water into wine. And Nicodemus is this prominent and powerful figure. In fact, he's not only a Pharisee, but he serves on what's called the Sanhedrin, which is basically Judaism's Israel's Supreme Court, one of 27 of the greatest scholars of Judaism. He's a local celebrity. He's got this long list of credentials. But for as smart as he is, he can't quite crack the Jesus thing. He comes to Jesus looking for some more objective facts to piece this together. Jesus, you've done some impressive things. I, I'm curious. Nobody does these things unless they're from God. Jesus, you're from God, right? Nicodemus just wants the facts. And Jesus says to him, well, you can't really understand it unless you're born from above. Born from where? You mean, wait, do we have to go back into the womb and do this thing over again? 
Nicodemus just is thinking about the facts. Jesus says, no, I mean, um, born above. What do you mean born from above? From up there? No, Nicodemus, says Jesus. It's like the wind, he says. You know, how the wind, when it blows, it, over time it shapes the thing that it goes over. And that's the way God is. Nicodemus says, what? Wind? What? And this is why I love Nicodemus. He's not playing around with Jesus. He's not being sarcastic or coy. He's just a lot like you and me, who at some point we go, you know, this God talk, it is a little weird. It is a little crazy. And what Jesus is trying to explain to Nicodemus is your intellect can't get you there. Something more is necessary. It's that great proverb that says, the longest and hardest journey you will ever take in your life is the journey from your head to your heart. And Nicodemus wants to go there, but he can't get there through his intellect. He just wants to know that he's not betraying his sense of what's real and possible. He is, therefore, the patron saint of skeptics. It makes him an easy target because there's a lot of Christians who would just say, all right, can you please stop asking your questions and believe already? But we need more skeptics like him in our lives. We need more skeptics in our churches because, look, skeptics get a bad rap. We, we think that a skeptic is, is sort, of, sort of habitually inclined to doubt. And sometimes we confuse a skeptic with a cynic who is habitually inclined to disbelieve everything and to fight fault in everything. But the Greek word is skepsis. It just means inquiry. To be a skeptic is to inquire, to investigate. The Oxford English Dictionary defines a skeptic this way. A seeker after truth, an inquirer who has not yet arrived at definite convictions. And that makes every one of us a skeptic to some degree. Because don't we all want an authentic faith? One that's, that's not given to us uh, from somebody else, but one that is lived through our own experience. Nicodemus' story is so important. It gives us two clues as to how we might develop an authentic faith. And the first clue is that we can never stop searching. Never. Nicodemus is a religious man. He knows his Judaism better than anybody else. He practices it faithfully. But he's still curious. And he sees in Jesus somebody who you, he can't afford to ignore this guy. Maybe there's something there. Something worth exploring more. Among the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh is this wonderful little story of the day that Christopher Robin announces to Pooh that it's time to round up all the animal friends and they're going to go on this expedition to the North Pole to discover the North Pole. And so off goes Pooh and immediately he runs into Rabbit and says that they're off to discover a pole or maybe a mole. And after all the animals have gathered up, they begin to set off in the forest. Christopher Robin leads the way then Rabbit and Piglet and Pooh, Kanga and Roo, even Eeyore goes. He's not in the mood to go, but he goes anyway. And as they set out, they soon discover that Roo, little Roo, has fallen into the stream. 
And all the animals are trying to figure out what to do, how to help, how to rescue. And Piglet starts to jump up and down, up and down. That's not very helpful. Owl rambles on about what to do when, quote, sudden and temporary immersion occurs. That's not helpful. Kanga runs up and down the stream asking if Rue's okay. Eeyore dangles his tail in the water hoping that Rue can catch on. When all seems lost, it is Pooh who saves the day. He finds this long pole and he extends it out over the stream and Rue grabs hold of it and Pooh pulls him in. And while all the animals are discussing what just happened, Christopher Robin notices that Pooh still has that pole in his hand and says, Pooh, where did you get that pole? I just found it earlier. I thought it might be useful, says Pooh. Christopher Robin says, Pooh, the expedition's over. You have found the North Pole. And Pooh says, I did? And right there, Christopher Robin sinks the pole into the ground, puts a little flag on it with this message, the North Pole discovered by Pooh. Pooh found it. And they all go home, satisfied that they had found the North Pole. And it's a telling parable about the nature of our own seeking, about how easy it is to get sidetracked, to come up with some obstacle, to to find some substitute for the real thing, and to give up our seeking. But the philosopher Marcel Proust, he said, a lot of life is like walking down a deserted nighttime street, trying this door and that door, finding all of them locked, secured against entry, but you keep trying. You try each door until you come upon that one door that opens to you, and you enter. But Jesus said it another way on a very different day. He said, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. And so we never stop knocking. We never stop exploring. And the second clue here is one that Jesus gives all of us in the story. And that is to lean into the wind. Nicodemus asks, how can I be born again? And Jesus points to the wind in the trees. And he says it it works like that. You can't always see it, but it's there. It's happening. It shapes you, changes you. And maybe you're like me. I I know a lot of people, a lot of people who have had those born-again experiences in life. They have had some dramatic experience because at one point they were living a bad story and they meet Jesus and they live a good story now. I have come to discover that there are some people in the world who just need to have that dramatic experience because that's the only way God can get through to them. But it's not the only way that God gets through everybody. And most often, it feels more like a subtle experience than a dramatic conversion. It feels uh, much less immediate and more incremental. For many, it just happens slowly over time, this gradual recognition that we're actually loved by God. And it's not because we have all the answers. The great mystic Teilhard de Chardin, he said, trust in the slow work of God. We are impatient of being on the way to something unknown, something new. And yet it is the law of progress 
that it is made by passing through some stages of instability and that it may take a very long time. And so it is with you. I don't know about you, did you notice in the story that Jesus doesn't try to close the deal with Nicodemus? Jesus lets Nicodemus go. And in so many stories, Jesus lets people go, seekers and skeptics, because Jesus understands the wind will keep blowing. God will get them. In the fourth century, there was this young person by the name of Augustine. He decided to check out the Christian faith, and so he read the Bible from cover to cover and said, I'm completely unimpressed. Augustine had been trained in the classical arts and liberal studies, and he had read great literature, Cicero and Virgil. He had read good literature and determined that the Bible was bad literature. He complained one day to his mentor and teacher, Ambrose of Milan. He said that the Bible is inferior. And I love, what, I love what Ambrose tells Augustine. He says, you little nitpicker. <laughs> you don't have the skills for reading the Bible. When you read the Bible, you think a fish is just a fish or a loaf of bread is just a loaf of bread. But in the Bible, everyday things are transformed, becoming signs of deeper, richer meaning. And Augustine said his eyes started opening. And one day he was lounging in a garden and he heard some little girl singing a song, four little words, take up and read. Or maybe he wondered it was an angel singing. He picked up the closest thing at hand, which was a codex of Paul's letter to the Romans of all things. He flopped it open, began to read from cover to cover. And he said in reading that, he heard the story of his whole life. Nicodemus asks, how can... How can we be born born again? And the answer, of course, is it's happening right now. It's happening right now. It's always been happening. It'll continue to happen. Because God, like the wind, intrudes on us every day of our lives. And those little intrusions, sometimes we don't even recognize them. But when we do, we lean into them. And we're shaped by them. Do you trust the slow work of God? Just one other quick story about Nicodemus. It comes at the very end of the Gospel of John. This is the only other story that really explains who Nicodemus is and what kind of person he is. It's on the day of the crucifixion when Jesus is on the cross and Nicodemus goes with his friend Joseph. And they go to the body, they take off the body of Christ from the cross and they carry it to the tomb. They anoint the body and they bury him. Nicodemus, of all people, the skeptic, who sees the real and the beautiful, and even though he can't understand it, still chooses to act. Takeaways for today, not everything that is real and beautiful is logical. Never stop searching for the real and beautiful until you've found it. And trust in the slow work of God. Amen. 
Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. And if you'd like more information, go to www.gosaintandrew.com. See you next week.